Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to the channel. I hope you're all doing well. Now, today I've got for you one of the deepest, darkest subreddits on the whole of Reddit. This is r slash galaxy-wide revenge. If you've been around on my channel for a while now, you'll know that I've covered not just pro revenge, not just nuclear revenge, not just black hole revenge, but also supernova revenge. But this is a level above all of those. I promise you, it's unbelievable. Today, I've got two incredible stories for you and I don't even want to waste any more time explaining them. Let's just get straight into the first one and um, wow, you lot are in for a treat, trust me. Abused wife and mother watches husband die. This happened in the late 90s, so enough time has elapsed to safely disclose. I had a friend back then who had been widowed for four years. She told me her story of victimization at the hands of her abusive and violent husband. She was mid-twenties when her husband died. She was married to a man 20 years her senior. They married when she was still a teenager and they had a five-year-old son when her husband passed away. Now he was an abusive and violent man who kept tight control over her and the boy. Though he never physically abused the child, he was emotionally abusive and very threatening towards their son. I guess he saved the physical violence for his wife alone. During their marriage, she had been savagely beaten many times. She had permanent scars on her body and had been hospitalized several times with broken bones and other serious injuries. She was in fear of her life every day. She was so controlled that she was a slave in her own home fearful of ever stepping out of line. One form of control was to always know where she was at any given moment. And if she ever had to leave the house to shop or run errands, she would be timed. She was given a time frame to be back in the house. And if she was even just one minute late, she would be severely beaten. Her husband was a licensed gun owner who owned a legal rifle and ammunition as he enjoyed hunting. And he would take that rifle, hold it to her head, and tell her that if she ever attempted to leave him, he would hunt her down and kill both her and their son. As well as the beatings, he would sometimes take the rifle, hold it to her head, and pull the trigger. Yes, it was unloaded, but that didn't diminish the terror she experienced each time, she told me. She said she was left in no doubt at all that if she ever ran, he would find them and kill them both. Another weapon he used against her was to threaten suicide if she ever left. Many abusers use the manipulation tool of threatening suicide or self-harm to keep their victims tethered to them. When abusers threaten suicide or self-harm, they are causing the fear to rise within victims so that they don't leave. In this way, threats of suicide are being used as a method of control. It's an incredibly common manipulation tactic used by people with borderline personality disorder, among other issues. Her husband did have dangerous medication in the house, not exactly sure what it was, and he would handle his bottle of pills whenever he issued a suicide threat. Now, one day, this woman had to leave the house to shop for food. 
On the way back, she was caught in traffic that delayed her return to the house within the time frame she'd been given. She said that the fear and panic was intense because she knew that she was going to return to another serious beating. She said it felt like her insides were being ripped out of her body as she pulled into the driveway 10 minutes late. She said she walked into the house in a state of blind panic, anticipating the beating when she saw him. He was motionless on the couch with the open bottle of pills on the floor beside him. She said she stood there and looked at him with a million thoughts of panic running through her head. Then she made her decision. She went to the other couch and sat down and looked at him. And she said at that moment, her heart was pounding in her chest. She knew what he had done. He'd done it once before. She was supposed to walk in and find him breathing, but unconscious and in a state of panic, call an ambulance for him, just like the last time. But this time she was 10 minutes late. Last time she got him help in time, but this time she just looked at him. He wasn't breathing, no rise and fall of his chest. She said she looked at the clock on the wall and sat there looking at him, overcoming the panic and emotions and stayed sitting there till 10 minutes had passed till she knew he couldn't be resuscitated and only then did she walk to the phone and make the call. She said the emergency services and police saw her obvious distress, the crying, the panic, the breakdown, and assumed it was a wife in distress at losing her husband. They didn't know they were watching someone who had just been rescued, someone who was at last free. The authorities did not doubt suicide as it was on record that he had tried it once before. And that is the story of how one abused young wife and mother finally became free. P.S. She did rebuild her life, went back to school, earned her degree and moved on to build a solid and safe life for herself and her son. I haven't seen her for years, but I've got no doubt she never had any regrets over sitting on the couch that day and watching her husband die. And nor should she. I mean, guys, I'm sure you agree with me. This man deserved to die. Sorry, it's as simple as that. Yeah, it sounds harsh, but so is beating and abusing someone, treating them as a slave, timing them when they leave the house. That's mental. That's worse than death in many ways. This guy deserved to die so that this woman could live. I just wonder like how much this is happening in the world, right? How many times does this happen in relationships where one party is extremely abusive and controlling and the other party unfortunately just never gets out? Like to be honest, it does sound weird but the woman actually got kind of lucky in this situation right because imagine he hadn't done that she would have literally been trapped for probably the rest of her life but you know he did it and now she's free and enjoying her life hopefully finally but guys just think about the couples where this doesn't happen where the guy doesn't try and kill themselves but not really try and kill themselves it's so strange what a weird 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 man sorry yeah you deserve to die lad Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, guys, if you thought that first story was crazy, and I guess it was, you know, letting someone die in front of you, well, this one is absolutely mental. Don't be a snitch, you female dog. I'm gonna start this by saying that unlike most people who post things like this, I'm not sorry at all. 
I'm aware that what I did was, to put it mildly, evil, but honestly, I don't care. Make of that what you will, I did what I did. This story occurs in the early 2000s, in a large urban city that I'm going to decline to name. I was 17 at the time. I was a heroin addict. My addiction had consumed the entirety of my life. My mother threw me out of our apartment after I stole our rent money for the second time to pay my dealer. She did the right thing. Not gonna argue it, I was a trashy human. And in a way, I deserved the life I ended up leading thereafter. Now, I'm still a trashy human, but at least I don't get high anymore. I ended up becoming a prostitute, not an escort. I was a type of working girl you found on street corners, not in the phone book with a booking agent. It wasn't a fun job, and the guy I worked for was an idiot, but he kept me high more often than not and didn't beat my butt too often. So as far as I was concerned, it was whatever. He had other girls besides me working for him. We'll call them Honey and Sugar. Now, Honey was okay. She was a user like I was. And if I was short, she was always down to share a rinse or go in for a little extra to get me straight. You know, if I was feeling trashy and our daddy was in a bad mood and I didn't want to ask for an extra hit. I liked her, and so I never minded working with her. She also knew how to keep her mouth shut, which was something I appreciated. Sugar, on the other hand, was another story. This freaking dog. Anything she heard went right back to daddy's ear. Anything she saw got reported on. Kept something if you got a tip so you could buy some condoms or a candy bar. She's snitching. Spent a little extra time with a date. That mouth would run. The dog never shut up and Honey and I hated her for it. The crazy thing was that it didn't win her points with our daddy either. He didn't like that stuff any more than we did. He knew we did minor stuff and as long as we weren't freaking with his money, He didn't give a dang about five bucks here or there because it meant we weren't asking him for stuff. But if she brought it to his attention, he had no choice but to do something about it. It got old, fast. She was weird too. Even though she did all that stuff, she somehow thought that we were all friends. Like she'd snitch and I'd get my butt beat and then the next day she'd act buddy buddy like she thought I just forgot what she did now that it was all said and done. She had the freaking audacity to be hurt when I didn't want to work with her and that Honey and I would get quiet and ignore her if we had to be around each other. It was crazy. So yeah, safe to say I had a problem with her and I was waiting for a chance to F her over royally. The opportunity came on a slow night. It was about 1am and it was raining. I was tired. I'd been out since about 9 and I'd only had one date. So I was sweating going home with a light take when this car rolls up. Nice car, a bit dated, but still nicer than most of the ones rolling around in the area. So I perked up. Window goes down and it's an older dude in his 50s. He had this super dark hair that I automatically knew came out of a box because his moustache was salt and pepper and the whole car smelled weirdly like mints. I didn't care. I needed the money, so I got in. He wanted full service, which was $100 in my pocket, which would be enough that I could call it a night and go home, and my daddy wouldn't be too trashy about it. Oh, he'd be trashy because it was still a light bag, but I'd get my hit and I could go to sleep and not be sick. So, the dude drives us to the back of the shutdown bodega, and I was ready to just get it done. So I was down. He and I moved to the back seat and he handed me my money and I looked down to stuff it in my bra and then I started pulling up my skirts. I only took my eyes off him for half a second 
But all of a sudden the dude grabbed me by the throat with both hands and started squeezing The funny thing is that I wasn't even surprised. I seriously considered just not fighting just letting it happen I was miserable. My life was trash and it wasn't like anybody would miss me Would it be so bad? It wouldn't really be suicide, which meant I wouldn't go to hell. I was raised as a Catholic. I see the irony in my thinking now. Believe me. Prostitution and drug use? Okay. Suicide? Hell nah. Religion is a hell of a drug, kids. Just say no. In the end, I fought back. He had me halfway up against the door, so I pretended to be out and went limp. And he let go of my throat to get his fly down, I guess. And while he was leaned back off me, I pulled my leg up and kicked him in the balls, then reached behind me and went for the door handle. It wasn't locked and I ended up on the ground on my butt. I got up and booked it down the street as fast as I could, lost both my shoes in the process because no way I was trying to run in heels. The good news, I still have my money. My neck was bruised to heck and back, but it wasn't long before I was too high to care. Life went on. New day, same BS. Two months later, in the middle of summer, me and Sugar were out together. Honey already had a date, and I had just come back from one, so I was making use of an alley for a bit of a cleanup. Sugar was standing on the sidewalk, waiting. And then what do I see rolling down the road? The nice sedan. It slowed down, and I knew it was him. Same guy, same car, and Sugar was gonna take the dates. The same date that almost killed me. He hadn't seen me where I was wiping myself off behind the dumpster, but I saw him. I could have said something. I could have yelled at Sugar and told her about the guy, but I didn't. I didn't say a word. I watched her get in that car and I watched the taillights fade out into the distance and I already knew Sugar wasn't going to be coming home that night. Bye, you filthy dog. Try snitching to daddy now. She didn't have a clue what she'd just gotten herself into either. See, I told Honey about the guy as soon as I got back. I told her how he looked and what car he drove and about how he smelled so that she wouldn't get in with the same psycho I did by accident. But I'd never worn sugar. Maybe in the back of my mind, I was hoping that I'd have the opportunity to do what I did. Sugar didn't come back that night or any other in the next year I worked. I only saw the car one more time, driving slowly down the streets to look at who was out. I waved and blew him a kiss. He did me a favor after all, so no hard feelings about the whole strangling thing. I sure as heck wasn't getting in his car again, but I wasn't mad about it. He looked so confused that he actually looked like he was going to stop for a minute, but I guess he thought better of it because he sped up and kept going. I never saw him or that car again. Not too long after that, I got arrested, which led me to actually getting clean and getting my head together. I never told anybody about what I did that night until now. Never told the cops about him either because A, I was doing my own dirt and B, as long as Honey wasn't getting in his car, I didn't give a frick who else he picked up. Still don't. Not my problem. No idea what happened to Sugar after she got in the car that night. I never heard anything about her again, and neither did anybody else that I know of. Nobody ever showed up either, so it's not 100% certain that he killed her. But I think he did. I know that he was planning on killing me that night. It explains why he didn't complain about the fact that I told him money first. He just handed it over. No argument. No half now and half when I get off. 
He figured that he'd just get it back when he was done Not like I was gonna need it anymore. Well jokes on him. I got away and I didn't have to screw him Sometimes everybody wins except sugar that is because screw her I mean look guys this user is anonymous So I can kind of be a little bit more true with my feelings and know that i'm not going to offend them This story was brilliant by the way I have to say that first of all But I don't completely agree when she said about it not being her responsibility to look out for other people I mean sure sugar I get that because you hate her. I can understand that one I've not been in that position obviously so I can't understand the full hatred But I can understand hating someone to the extent that you would let that happen as we saw in the first story to be fair But what I don't really get is when she says as long as honey wasn't getting in his car i didn't give an f who else he picked up still don't not my problem i don't know about that because you know put yourself in another person's another prostitute's position who doesn't know this person who doesn't know you just someone else doing your you know similar line of work surely you would want to know right i mean come on you're gonna get murdered that's this guy's plan just going around murdering prostitutes i actually think that that was who was it was it jack the ripper who did that back in the day in the uk that was what he did just went around murdering prostitutes because he hated them sounds like this guy's very very similar well just looking through the comments here guys um op has actually replied to a few saying that this happened over 20 years ago got no idea what actually happened to honey after this after she got arrested op got clean and stayed that way effing around with the same people is how you end up getting high again and i was 100 done with both the dope and the stuff i did to get it well yeah I don't blame you. Look, I can't really, you know, empathize or even really sympathize. The situation is mental. Being in that situation in the first place, being addicted to heroin or whatever it was and, you know, living a life of prostitution. It's not a great place to be in, obviously. That's um, widely accepted. But wow, sending one of your co-workers off knowing that they're going to get murdered. That is deep. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, look, they could be the worst person ever, but sending them off to their fate, knowing they're about to be strangled. It's unbelievable. Guys, comment down below. What do you think about that one? Because that is nuts. Both these stories were nuts. But in the first one, I can understand it more because you're completely trapped in that world. That's your husband almost enslaved you, right? Abusing you, that sort of stuff. Yes, Sugar was snitching. But that's kind of all she was doing. She wasn't emotionally or physically abusing you or, you know, trapping you in a horrible marriage and timing you when you go out. She was just someone you didn't like. To be honest, I reckon it's a little bit too far, honestly. But um, comment down below, guys. What do you lot think? Wow. What a crazy story. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for this one. Um, really hope you have enjoyed it. If you did and you want to see more crazy revenge stories, as crazy as this one, check this video out on screen. I'm not going to lie to you. It's actually demonetized. So I gain zero money from telling you to watch this. But it's a really good story. So if you want another amazing story, just go ahead and watch it. To give you a little bit of a sneak preview, um, this horrible woman's nudes get leaked at her own wedding. Like, it's crazy. Supernova Revenge. Check it out. And if you do, I'll love you forever and forevermore. See you tomorrow with a brand new video. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. 
ACAST.com. <laughs>